0: Tonight's Amazing Race Recap is sponsored by our friends over at Springtime uh, Supplements. I want to talk a moment about dogs. They're more than our pets. They're part of our family, but their bodies age too, and their day-to-day diet could use some help. So get the most out of your dog and upgrade their health with Springtime Natural Supplements and Treats. They're for dogs of all ages, and all their products are made with natural ingredients, ingredients that are tested to ensure purity, quality, and safety. Springtime supplements can help your dog out with joint health to help out their joints with the help they need, whether they are growing or they're active and slowing down with age. Their skin and coat can get itchy with dry skin if your dog is scratching, if their coat is dull or dry. Plus, dogs can get seasonal allergies too, just like we can. And if you're looking for something that can help deter fleas and ticks, springtime supplements has a selection of a natural product to help with that see what hundreds of thousands of grateful dog owners have to say about springtime natural dog supplements and treats to help your dog live a longer and happier life go to springtime.com rhap to get free shipping on your first order and learn how you can save up to 55 percent podcast listeners are going to get free shipping on their first order with the promo code rhap when you visit springtime.com save up to 55 percent with the promo code rhap when You go to springtime.com slash RHAP. Coming to you live from my apartment, it's Rob Has a Podcast. And now here's the guy who's frantically trying to book Keith Nail for the Tar Pits this weekend. I am Rob Sisterdino. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our Amazing Race coverage. Episode number 10, back to a one-hour Amazing Race. And it was a very exciting finish here tonight on double u-turn night did not go as expected a lot to talk about here from our leg in Cambodia and very excited to uh, bring in our panel to uh, break it all down with us of course uh, let's bring in a woman who I'm sure would have no problem uh, with working on the arts and crafts task to uh, make that beautiful tile here is Jessica Lee. Jess how are you
1: I'm doing great, Rob. I'm considering changing my name to Spider because I feel like that's a really awesome that, that is look, a nice name. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, it was really badass. I I wanted to be that guy. He was cool.
0: Yeah. Uh Spider, the third part of Hung and Chi now. He's uh part part of the team. Uh and then, of course, a man who uh that uh that he is a uh the monks tonight did not do justice to uh, this man's uh, monk impression from this weekend's Robin Kevanita podcast. Give it up for Mr. Mike. Bloom!
2: Thank you for those who haven't missed out on the podcast. Yeah, I, I came in, did my best Tony Shaloub. I ferociously washed my hands over and over again, but I'm happy to be here. I am in bloom, as my name suggests, just like lemongrass and papaya and lime trees and all of the delectable vegetation that Hung was describing to us today.
0: All right. Well, we are here streaming live after the episode tonight of The Amazing Race. Uh, We will have exit interviews coming up uh, with Iswar and Aparna as part of the tar pit. And Mike Bloom uh, will talk to Iswar and Aparna for Parade.com.
2: Mm-hmm. That'll be up tomorrow. And yeah, I mean, this is a big interview for a number of reasons. First, this is the first team from the Mind Five that we are speaking to. At this point, all we've spoken to are teams that sort of parroted back the same idea of like, we had no idea there was an alliance really at the time. I think it'll be nice to hear from Iswar and Aparna as to like, how they kept the alliance secret. Obviously, they were not in the know that there was an inner core within that alliance. They're gonna have a lot of thoughts, I'm assuming, as well, about not only the U-turn, but their reaction to the U-turn. So, yeah, I mean a pretty fiery finish from Iswar and Aparna yeah. tonight, uh, yeah. considering everything that happened to
0: Contentious. Them. All right, so uh we will talk about all that. We'll take your questions as well. I tweeted out a uh tweet earlier tonight, as one does on the Twitter, and you can reply to uh, get your questions into the show. And of course, uh, this weekend, we'll be back together for The Tar Pit. You can email in a question, amazingrace at robhasawebsite.com, and we'll discuss your questions. Uh, Jess is going to track down all of The Amazing Race social media, secret scenes, much more coming up this weekend on The Tar Pit. Okay, Uh, let's let's talk about this. Uh, Jess, uh, this
1: was, I thought, was a very exciting episode tonight. This was really classic, amazing race for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. You had some really, you had some really interesting strategy that had like all of Twitter had a lot of really hot takes about the U turn, which I'm sure we're going to spend most of this podcast talking about. But you also had a few little classic, amazing race things. You had a great, you had great scenery. You had this sort of mini task where you bring a donation. And I always like that chance to get to see the community. And you had one of my favorite things, the, point where you have a detour option, and you tell your driver which one you want to go to, and he decides for you that you're going to the other one. Mm-hmm. That Damn doesn't you, happen
2: water
0: in a spider. <laughs> <laughs> Aqua spider. Yeah, uh, and a really exciting finish because that uh, I, we, I think we all thought coming into tonight, okay, Mike, it's going to be that we know how this is going. Mine five, we're going to down to the mine three, and then uh, D'Angelo and Gary are getting the W-turn, and they're going out, and they're going to be the team that gets eliminated and uh, that was not what happened and then it did look like for a while that Gary and D'Angelo would in fact be eliminated tonight just uh, not at, at the uh, reason of being w turn. Yeah, I mean, I'll be candid. I think this
2: episode was a shot in the arm that the season needed after the past few episodes, because I think things were fairly rote in, in what these five teams were very successfully admittedly doing. But I think even to that extent, because of what came before, a lot of us were coming to this episode thinking, OK, there's this three team core to your point, Rob, but they're going after Gary and D'Angelo. And I think you could look in this in paper and be like, yeah, East Warren and Parna went, you know, what a predictable outcome. But like you said, the events that we underwent to get to that destination were far from predictable, mainly because I mean, this is the thing that happens with alliances on The Amazing Race is you can plan and you can plan and you can plan. But if an unbalanced detour causes Gary and D'Angelo to get to that board first, then it all gets shot to sunshine. And that's one of the fun things about The Amazing Race that even the best planned strategies can't break.
0: And to everybody out there who says The Amazing Race is boring this season and the alliance has ruined it. In your face. Yeah. (laughs) In your face. (laughs) This is an exciting episode. Yeah,
2: I mean, we, we nearly had a team catch up from being the only team U-turned, which I feel like is, is a, definitely a rarity in Amazing Race, much less of a rarity with the, the institution of the double U-turn. But essentially, this double U-turn was turned into a single U-turn this episode from back in the old days. So I give all the kudos to Eswar and Aparna for being able to make up the time that they did. It did seem like, in general, everyone was just really close together for the entire lake, which again, I think speaks to the strength of these five teams. And maybe why, you know, some of the most immediate stuff we've gotten in the past few episodes have not been the most riveting is because I think this is a very strong group of five teams.
0: All right. Well, let's get into all of it. And we are going to head to Cambodia and a lot of talk about the Mind 5 being dead. A lot of setup of the Alliance. Just the Roaming Gnome was back this week. Were you pumped up to see your friend the Roaming Gnome?
1: I love the Roaming Gnome. I mean, I don't love him as much as I used to when he used to live tweet the episodes and engage with the viewers. But Mm -hmm. you you can't not love the Roaming Gnome. He's a part of the Amazing Race.
2: Everybody
0: loves the Roaming Gnome.
2: The Gnome was uh, was doing like sponsored brand sassy tweets before Wendy's was. You know, (laughs) they they really patented that brand.
1: Yeah. It's true. He kind of invented that. I don't think he really invented that. I'm sure somebody else invented that. But you know, he's he's a he's an important part of the show. And I hope Travelocity never stops sponsoring the Amazing Race in any fashion, so that we can have him every season.
0: Yeah, the Roaming Gnome is a big hit with all viewers of the Amazing Race, including Hung and Chi and their family as they watch the Amazing Race. But there's something in particular that Hung's family likes about the Roaming Gnome.
1: We watch Amazing Race with our whole family, so the three kids love Travelocity. Roaming gnome with all of his different like accessories. Just does the roaming gnome have a lot of accessories? <laughs> well, you might have a lot of accessories. Um, yeah, he has a life jacket. Didn't you see that? He he was at his own little hammock yeah, yeah, He had, in the little, he had a
2: little seed satchel with the needle for the scale in it. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, he holds he holds out a little miniature clue, and apparently he hands it to you. But it's I'm like pretty sure that figure? the gnome does not move. I doesn't no, have a grip. We're encroaching on the holiday
2: season. I don't see why Travelocity can't make a roaming gnome action figure. It seems like it's going to be the hit in households everywhere. Are, are do we think that like the gnome is to Amazing Race as like animals are to Survivor when it comes to kids' interests in these reality shows? Like they pick on this one thing that they really are obsessed with.
0: I don't think that the roaming gnome has as much screen time. It's like they're not just like cutting to like the roaming gnome <laughs> and like transition shots.
2: What if they did?
0: Yeah, I would be good. Like uh, like a roaming gnome and like a Mrs. Roaming gnome and like. Uh, can you believe what just happened? Like no, I can't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I, would, I would sincerely love that if like Austin Powers style like, cut to little interstitials of the roaming gnome just like walking along and doing things on the way to other tasks
1: are, are you referencing like the laugh in style yes. psychedelic dance number are we getting one of those from the roaming gnome yes. should it be two roaming gnomes or should it be
0: uh, Phil interacting with the uh, roaming gnome a la like a uh, Sharon mm. and lamb chop
1: I have very strong opinions about this Yes, as a matter of fact, because there was a fantastic ad one or two seasons back in which Phil was hanging out at like a hotel spa with the roaming gnome and speaking to him like he was a human being. And it just melted my heart. It was like one of the cutest things Phil has ever done. And so I would, I would be absolutely here for mystery science theater style, Phil and gnome commentary. Yeah, Mike, we saw how he worked with the beatbox guy the other day.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like Phil has a lot of discourse that he carries on with these pit stop greeters. Just go back to the one you can always rely on. You can always bounce jokes off of the Roaming Gnome. They could do a whole double act in response to Gary and D'Angelo instead of just Phil having to pull all the weight there.
1: <laughs> oh, no, 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 I, got it. I got it. The Roaming Gnome shows up in the law enforcement uniform of choice and reports on, <laughs> on. An
0: ATF, uh, ATF. Hold on, call hold on.
1: on. It's, it's me, ATF.
2: Gary and D'Angelo, <laughs> your watermelon etiquette is atrocious. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh,
2: <laughs> let's try to let's try to uh,
0: get back to uh,
2: I, like, I think we're just we're just trying to make hung's family appreciate the show even more
0: yeah yeah uh then i, I hope so so we're, we have a lot of accessories uh like the rumming gnome all right uh we have tuk tuk action and uh very look anybody any long time survivor fan knows that when you go to cambodia mike you hang out in a tuk tuk. Well, and this one is is sort of the tuk-tuk that we're used to,
2: because I do feel like the, the Indian version of the tuk-tuk, yeah, the auto rickshaw slash tuk-tuk was more of like a one singular base, whereas I do feel like the Cambodian tuk-tuk, much like Keith did, is like a motorcycle that you hitch to this car. That you pull and that's I mean it was a little bit of a nothing burger this clue right of like help your driver put his tuk tuk back together which means like watch him hitch the trailer to the motorcycle and then drive off to the next destination but yeah th- these are the totos that we're used to we're about to see some totos today yeah
1: I feel like it was kind of a running theme of this episode that everybody thought they were about to do something very precise and difficult and then it turned out that nobody actually cares how you do the thing yeah
2: Yeah. Could that be a symptom of, you know, the teams that are left, especially like hung and Chi, Riley Madison and will and James are all like very devout fans of the amazing race. Could it be that like the show almost screwed with them by being like, you think you prepare for the super meticulous task, but really it's going to be very simplistic and we won't give you any criteria whatsoever.
1: It's fourth dimensional chess there, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Try to keep up. Um, So uh, our teams were going to have to uh, then get into a uh, a ultimately a water taxi. Is that is that right, Jess? Is that the right vehicle name?
1: Yeah, well, I don't I don't know exactly what they call it there, but it's it's a boat and it's a taxi. So we've done a few of those this year and we're. We're exploring all of the most scenic bodies of water.
2: Yeah. And I, I did notice, I supposed to speak to that point, Jess, that it was like traveling on the water and there was a basket of things you were supposed to keep with you. I'm like, oh my God, this must be PTSD for like Gary and D'Angelo, yeah. right? I was waiting.
1: Things. Yeah. I was waiting for somebody to forget the basket, but I'm sure Nobody that everybody's did. like, okay, we are keeping an iron grip on this basket.
0: Yeah. And so we got a lot of like, all right, we, we, everybody knows the plan, right? We're going to U-turn Gary and D'Angelo. But they were, they were right there. They were right behind uh, the big three. And ultimately, we end up with Riley and Madison, and the boat breaks down, Mike. And uh, the show made a little bit of a meal out of uh, Riley and Madison's boat breaking down.
2: A meal, Rob, it was an entire Thanksgiving dinner if you watched all the promos when like the, the next time on, every single commercial, the mm. preview for the episode was all about Riley and Madison's boat breaking down. You would think this was like the thing that would determine the fate of their game. Nope, commercial break's done. the boat starts back up again somehow. It seemed like there was a lot of black smoke pluming out of that thing if they were able nuts, to get it started. Sir, yeah, I mean or like the Pope's being determined in there. Mm. I'm glad they were able to get it fixed and and move That's on white smoke. but. Yeah, well, hopefully, but l- but luckily it, it seemed like they carried on. But yeah, this is definitely an example of of the Amazing Race trying to pick quote-unquote like the most dramatic non-spoiler moment from the episode and try to market it to make people see like you want to tune in and see what happens when our front runners, the beard bros, fall victim to boat mishaps
1: yeah well that's classic amazing race though that's Mm -hmm. classic amazing race editing and you find out exactly like what a dirty trick this is if you ever watch a whole bunch of amazing race in a row without commercials because you'll get a lot of this i don't think we're gonna make it through this thing oh this is awful how are we ever going to continue oh wait we made it through the thing Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so the the trick, here's a little trick. and I don't know if this is full out amazing race 101, but the trick to watching amazing race is there are oftentimes when Jeff says teams are in moments of struggle and they do this like languishing slow-mo shot of of a team getting through a task. If that is happening right before a commercial break, it's going to fix itself when it comes back. If it happens in the middle of an act mm-hmm. and it doesn't break for commercial afterwards, that is that does mean it's a bad situation.
0: Okay. All right, that's good to know. Yeah.
2: yeah so I'm- if- so if you look at it, so if slow-mo happens and there's no commercial, then like yes, they may indeed be screwed.
1: Yeah, okay. I'm thinking specifically of the time that the that the twenties had trouble driving stick shift and it and the show made a huge meal out of it. And I talked to them at the finale party and they're like, Yeah, that took about two minutes, and they showed every second of those two minutes.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we see the teams start to uh, get to the uh, monk to provide a uh, a donation uh, mike you guess what, what were they donating look like, is that bags of coffee
2: it looked like a it looks like a couple of bags of chips and bags of coffee i mean listen people people need those things so yeah. i wasn't sure if it was like shoes or clothes i mean Talk about Amazing Race flashbacks. My mind was going back to uh, Amazing Race 19, the infamous double elimination episode that felled poor Ethan and Jenna when like nine teams got penalties for not donating all their money to the orphans on the way to the pit stop. Like whenever I think about charitable causes on the Amazing Race, as great as they may be, my mind
0: always goes back to that very bad moment. Yes. Just do they pick up some items just off the craft service table to uh, donate to the monks?
1: Yeah, it's possible they were like, uh, we need to have something to bring to the monks and like they send their PA Mm -hmm. out to the supermarket and like just get like just get like 10 of everything and we'll just put it in a basket.
0: Yeah. And Mike, luckily, uh, the monk did not reply with, uh, would you like to be a land animal, a sea animal or an air animal?
2: The ultimate detour is you know fish or farm you turn into a fish or you turn into a farm animal or a tree that's the u-turn is like you have to that's the yield actually as you turn into a tree for 20
0: minutes Mm, okay (laughs) all right uh yeah so let's talk about uh fish or farm uh jess any thoughts on these detours
1: well it seems like One of these classic scenarios, and again, I've been watching a fair amount of Pluto TV, Amazing Race Ambient Channel, which is like the most comforting thing on the planet. Like you just put on your Pluto and in the background, you got Phil going on and you can... You don't have to really pay attention to it because everybody has seen them all. But anyway, Phil yeah. used to do a thing. Pluto TV, uh, all Amazing Race 24-7 and mm-hmm. also uh,
0: all Survivor 24-7. I also heard uh, all Price is Right 24-7. Also, yeah.
2: also all, Barker Star Trek, era. All, all Star yeah. Trek 24-7. Yeah.
1: yeah. Barker era Price is Right too. So and it's, it's like you're It's like you're homesick from elementary school all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So anyway, yeah, the thing that Phil used to do that he doesn't do anymore that I kind of miss is he would set up the detours and he'd say they have the pros and cons. People that do this task could finish quickly if they do this. But people that do this task could finish quickly if they do that. And this was really one of those tasks that was very nicely set up for that, because you could tell immediately if you got all the details right on the garden. It initially might seem like a little bit more brain power to get it done, but you could get it done more quickly. But the fish task, you just have to sit there and go like this and you'd eventually get all the fish. And it doesn't actually take a lot of skill. It just takes arms and time. Mm -hmm. So,
2: yeah, so that's interesting because that being said, so do you think that I mean, I think the results speak for themselves that the first three teams to finish are the three teams that chose fish over farm. Was it because that Will and James and hung and Chi were struggling with the garden or do you think the fish was just a really faster task to do? That's that's what I thought it was just a classic case of like physical get quick roadblock versus non-physical and slow roadblock.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I think everybody finished around the same time. I think it was a pretty well-balanced roadblock in that regard, but I think that I think you could look at those tasks and you know, which one you should be doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that I I think that a little bit of brute force is going to get you through that fish task faster. So obviously, if you are a professional athlete or, you know, people that are very committed to a sport that they never win, you're still going to be pretty buff. So you can go do that one. And you, indeed, it looked like the professional athletes got through that a little bit more quicker than the siblings who are computer engineers, you know. Mm.
0: Okay so uh the teams uh made it through the uh fishing net challenge and i guess the drama there was just going to be you know could uh riley and madison uh you know get out in front of uh gary and d'angelo uh to enact the a double u-turn plan uh but gary and d'angelo end up uh getting through it pretty quickly uh and uh they both get out at the same time and they head to the U- double. U-turn board. All right, uh, Jess, do you want to uh, pick things up here?
1: Okay, I will. I will break down this decision. Uh, so the quick, the quick recap version of what happens is Gary and D'Angelo arrive at the board like a second before Riley and Madison, and Riley and Madison, who are going to U-turn Team NFL, now can't do that because they're right in their faces and they're ahead of them. So what they do instead is Gary and D'Angelo. U-turn Aparna and Iswar and then in order to keep Aparna and Iswar for then arriving at the board and U-turning either Will and James or Hung and Chi, the Volley Bros, then U-turn Gary and D'Angelo who are already in front of them and then the, the term is coined burning the board. And I've never heard this before. I'm pretty sure this is a first, Mm -hmm. but it's not the first time we've seen it happen. It's the first time we've seen a label for it. And I think once you label something like this, it stops being emergent strategy. So I would suspect we're going to see some changes to the U-turn in the future to prevent board burning from just being a thing that you expect. Sort of like I was thinking like splitting the vote or doing a backdoor veto. It's something I think we're now at the point where this is going to stop being a thing. Um, I I would be curious to know what you two think of this. And I also want to know if you think that this was good strategy or bad strategy, because there were a lot of people that were really, really angry at this move.
2: Well, so I'll be completely candid. I think the the reason why people think it's a bad move is because they're... I think their opinion's a little influenced by the fact that we are seeing a, seeing a clear alliance of three mm-hmm. that they are not in the know of. And they're like, why aren't you doing it? It's very clearly obvious. A, they don't know about it. And B, this is 100% the safest thing to do. Because, like you said, Jess, you haven't seen Will and James or Hung and Chi. For Gary and D'Angelo, right. Will and James and Hung and Chi were out in front of them this entire leg so far. For all they know, they could be inadvertently burning the board by you turning one of them. They have no idea if they're behind them whatsoever. Who is guaranteed to be behind them right now? Iswar and Aparna. And they even verbalize this of like, it's going to have a stay a little bit far ahead. D'Angelo verbalizes it really well at the roadblock of like, Mm -hmm. hey, if I didn't U-turn you, I would be in last place right now, which definitely would be the case. It's less so about like, hey, let's strike at this inner core of three teams that we don't know about right now, and more so about we need to stay one step ahead in this race. And if we know at least one team is behind us, the, the obvious thing to do right now is to U-turn that one team we know is behind us rather than take a shot at a team where we have no idea where they are in relation to us.
0: Would right. it break the game if you could not U-turn a team that was ahead of you? That if you had the information of what place you were in, would that break the game, Jess?
1: It would break the game, Rob, and here's why. There is no game function where you are allowed to really know how many teams are ahead of you, who is particularly... I thought about this a lot, actually, over the course Mm. of this episode. Could we make it so that once you pass the U-turn block, you took your name out of the running? Like, you take your little sticker out and keep going. And I think this would break the game because at that point, that gives everybody the information of who's ahead of you or behind you, and I think that changes things. I mean, on one level you do know most of the Mm -hmm. time you have some clue, but on the other hand, there's a little bit of strategy that you can employ at that point. And you do see a lot of inadvertent board burning that goes away at that point. And you also would have the drama of somebody in last place showing up to the U-turn board and looking at it and being like, well, we were in last place already and now we're completely screwed and there's nothing we can do about it. And then you don't get them for editing purposes doesn't really ruin them from a game standpoint, but from editing purposes, it kind of, it kind of dumps on that team. Like imagine like Kaylin and Haley, for example, being in the last place and getting repeatedly yielded at a certain point, they kind of stopped trying and you don't want your teams to ever stop trying. They always need to have that feeling that they could be doing something to help themselves.
0: How about this? Uh Riley and Madison, Mike, do you feel like did they let Gary and D'Angelo reach the board first so that they would get the blood on their hands as opposed to being the U-Turners?
2: I mean, it's a good call because even before, the you know, Gary and D'Angelo beat them to the, the mat, apparently, you know, Riley and Madison were saying like, hey, these guys are right behind us. Uh, we cannot U-turn them straight to their faces. I mean, not only, again, is this going uh, against their whole little apparent nice guys credo, it's also, hey, Gary and Daniel can immediately follow it up by being like, okay, then I'm going to U-turn one of these other teams. And so if, if they are in the business of wanting to protect this three-team core, which again, say what you want to, your your mileage may vary as to whether or not that is a good move or not. If that is their interest right now, they can't do it when Gary and D'Angelo are, when they know Gary and D'Angelo are right behind them. So at that point, like, sure, let them step on the mat first. You know, they're not going to directly go after you. You know, that it seems like you you guys are cool at least. So let them sort of do the damage. They were also talking about U-Turning Eswar and Aparna, so like, why not have them take care of it? And Mm. while Aparna was sort of decrying both teams at the U-Turn board, if you notice, when we get to the roadblock, yeah. and maybe it's because the, the volley bros weren't there, she had nothing but fury and fire for Gary and D'Angelo specifically.
0: And Jess, if you're Gary and D'Angelo, are you also a little bit when the uh, Riley and Madison are going to burn the board? Are you a little bit like, hey, what gives? Why why are you doing that? Because there is no other explanation other than, oh, well, we're just protecting Will and James and Hung and Chi. I mean that what, what was in it for Gary and D'Angelo that they did that?
1: Well, they show their hand a little bit. They did, but it's also it's not even necessarily saying we have a core alliance of three that we're trying to protect. It's just kind of saying we really the team that you you turned is the team that we're most comfortable getting out of the game, mm-hmm. and that doesn't necessarily fully tip their hand. That says we're still working with you because we're obviously not working against you at this point but we're also working with these other teams. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it could be a little results-oriented to say this, but I don't think that this move totally breaks the game because you then, what if they get to the final three and either Hung and Chi or Will and James win the game because the Volley Bros have saved them? That's going to... They, they didn't just guarantee that they they didn't just buy themselves a ticket to a million dollars here. They might have actually bought it for somebody else at this. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, th- I think if you put yourselves in the mind frame of if Gary and D'Angelo and the Volley Bros believe that the fish was the slower option, that they are the third and fourth teams to arrive right now. And you know that there's at least one team behind you, like, might as well pursue that known option. And, and just so I, I feel like, again, if Gary and Daniel were so focused on let's just, you know, East War and mm-hmm. Aparna, let, let's just push them down, I can understand why I'd be like, yeah, 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 burn it. Uh, because that way, you know, we can just move on and not need to worry about East War and Aparna possibly pulling something and being able to use the U turn as right. well. Right.
1: Right. Because then you have a team that is, you want to make sure, like, once you've used that U turn, you want to make sure you don't see that team again. Mm-hmm. So that they don't have an opportunity to come after you and be upset. <laughs> oh, wait, that kind of already happened. But there's not going to be another chance after this leg to affect some other damage on your game. Like all they really got their Their one penalty for d- deploying this U-turn was they got yelled at a little bit.
0: They <laughs> yelled at a lot.
1: Nobody likes to be yelled at. Yeah, no,
0: definitely not. Um, all right. Anything else on the double U-turn in terms of uh, what happened here at the board?
1: Yeah so I mean
2: I guess to sort of circle back to the initial question that Jess asked and doing getting a little think tanky I mean is there a way is the best strategy to do to do, do away with this emergent strategy is just to get rid of the U-turn.
1: That's a good question Mike but I don't love that I, especially since they finally put the U-turn in the right place. I don't mm-hmm. want to, I don't want them to now, yeah. you know, you know how many times the amazing race has taken a cool game feature and put it into the game incorrectly and then decided it didn't work and gotten rid of it entirely yeah. looking at yeah. you head to head, <laughs> you know, yeah, to me, I, I have
0: always felt like that the, the u turn is so severe. It really is almost mm-hmm. always a death sentence and not, not always, but I'd say probably about 80%
1: of the time. Is that fair to say? yeah i would say 80 percent of the time at least one of the teams that gets u-turned gets out
0: i wish that there was a way you know i I love the strategy of it but it does seem like it is just so deadly what if instead of a double u-turn what if it's just that the it's like a double roadblock of okay when you get to the roadblock you don't have to make a tile you have to make two tiles yes this is something that happens this is
1: something that happens in other countries rob okay um Amazing Race Norway has this. And I think maybe another maybe another iteration of Amazing Race has it. It's called the handicap there. And it's basically, you throw that in their face and then when they get to the task, their task is a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. So there's one task that we've seen, like every international edition of Amazing Race has done this task in India where you have to make bricks out of mm-hmm. cow dung and you have to make like 50 bricks. Mm-hmm. And when they did this, on this international season which i think was norway the handicap was then all of a sudden you had to make 75 yeah and so it's like a little bit harder that you have to your your roadblock or your detour task becomes a little bit harder if you're the person with the handicap on you but it's not having to go and do an entire other task
2: yeah. right and i think if if they still want to keep the, the detour portion of the U-turn and I think my two simplest solutions would be put it early on in the leg. Like, I'm talking, like, first couple things of when you get out. Because we even saw in this, the more stuff you put after the U-turn, the greater chance you mm-hmm. have of someone being able to, like... For example, the first U-turn was not a great placement in that regard, because it was literally the clue before the pit stop was the right. U-turn. So any team that got U-turned was pretty much screwed mm-hmm. to finish in the back of the pack. And the other option would be retire it like halfway through the season. Like put Mm -hmm. two or three U-turns in, but put them in like the first one to five legs. Because I would say putting yourself behind in a group of eight teams or nine teams is a lot different than putting yourself behind in a group of five or six teams.
1: That's a really good point, Mike. And I've heard, you know, there's been a lot of complaining every time we see one this late. And I was actually glad to see it this episode because the thing I hate most is the U-turn at the final four because that basically affects half the teams at that point. And I feel like that's just too much power. But I do like throwing out your biggest and zestiest twists at the first few legs and then find something else to do later on that can incrementally affect a team, but give them enough opportunity to come back because otherwise it just becomes a popularity game.
0: The other part of the W-turn and burning the board that it does, I, I would think in most instances, like take the drama out of it because that the idea is like, okay two teams are going to be U-turned and they're basically two going to fight off to see who's going to be eliminated. Whereas burning the board really put, I mean, it was a miracle that Iswar and Aparna even got back in this thing. Whereas I think in most circumstances, just there being one team that's U-turned, I think that that would be the death sentence.
1: What if, what if we did like the old school fast forward and forgive me, I've been watching a lot of really early, amazing race lately. Um, What if we had like tons of U-turns like you, everybody gets to use a U-turn once. What if there's a U-turn on each one of the first four legs and you can use it once. And after you use it, you're done.
2: Interesting. So you're essentially like doing what they tried to do with the yield this season, but also apportion it to like the, the first third of the season rather than having to save it through halfway through. I could, I could see that. I, I like, cause there is, strategy in that like now we're essentially done with this idea of like you can only u-turn once in the race because there were only two this time Much like the way of the fast forward that that power has sort of gone away that could be really interesting and also that it's early on that means that it's more chaotic like I think it'd be very inordinate to have another alliance like the mine five come together and be like okay I guess we have to strategically use our u-turns now because when you panic and you're in that moment you might just want to throw it up there when you're
0: when you're really struggling in a task Mm mm-hmm One last thing. Uh, What if, if we can't tell people who is still behind them in the race, what if that somebody gets W-turned and then the next team to arrive after the team that receives the W-turn also is U-turned? Would that break the game, Jess?
1: Oh, so it's sort of like you can throw the U-turn up, but you don't know who you're U-turning? Like, it's the after, other side of well, the...
0: Well, no, you can U-turn a person, but maybe the person that comes after that person is then U-turn.
2: So you're U-turn. essentially throwing, like, tacks in the road behind you to whatever car you're going to drive by. Mario
1: car, yeah. It's, it's like a blind deal. double U-turn yeah. instead of a double blind U-turn. Yeah. So you could you, be really... Yeah. You could be really screwing one of your alliance mates you while you screw be. somebody else. yeah. Or it could be two people you hate, and you're just screwing them both. You hate everybody, yeah, potentially. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. So I
2: don't know that, I, that. So then, would it be if it was five teams, and they you turned a, a, a partner in Eastvar who finished third? Does that mean that the people who arrived in fourth yeah. and fifth? Yeah. So no, no,
0: just the, just the next, just the scene that comes in fourth.
2: that'd be a weird little tango between Hung and She and Will and James between who steps on that mat.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: be you before. first. No, you first. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right, a lot to think about for Amazing Race 33 uh, someday. All right, uh, let's go back to planting and let's talk about what's going on because uh, it turns out that there was a little twist to getting through the planting task because uh, in one of those uh, accessories, Mike, the roaming gnome, you had to see uh, that he had something in his pocket. Seeds, baby! yes (laughs) yes
2: well, <laughs> uh, hopefully no like poppy seeds and sesame seeds were coming in out of norm gnome kalish's little satchel but yeah it was, all, it was all about those seeds though i know we got like a little question about this i can't remember from who i thought it was pretty lame that the task judge is like okay and now you must plant the gnome seeds like i wanted the gnome seeds to be like the lube of Whoa. the detour right like the 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 the, they're greasing the pants the one thing that you they okay. for the, the, one impor, the one important thing that they forgot in the task like I wanted to be that one thing in the detour but it seemed like they sort of just like steamrolled over yes. that but being like oh yeah now remember remember to go
1: to your gnome don't forget about that
0: yeah don't forget uh,
1: well, that's something that we saw in Amazing Race Canada a lot more often. Where like half the tasks, they'd be like, "Oh, something is wrong with your thing," and we're not going to tell you what it is. And then the other half, it's like, "Well, you need to do that, that, and mm-hmm. that, and then you'll be fine." Your car horn and yeah, hook up the car horn. It's exactly. like, are they telling you to hook up the car horn or not? And in this case, the seeds are the car horn. Yes.
0: Uh, well, anything think talking about seeds. My ears, uh, perked up. But uh, Will, Will and James were talking about the seeds. Plant
1: the seeds. Baby. Let's do it.
0: Yes. Uh, wow! If you, Two if you, years ago, they predicted Jordan Kalish's meme. Yes. <laughs> l- l- listen,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Plant the seeds, babe. <laughs> the seeds, babe. <laughs> Yeah. Is that
2: is that like close enough, or do we think that is an entirely different brand than Seeds Baby? Mm, yeah
0: it's close to when
1: that. are we getting merch that says seeds baby on it? i am it?
0: working on it i am working on it okay you better be Hang i there. will buy that just, just get there. seeds packets of lemongrass
2: lime trees papaya <laughs> oh god okay. i'm gonna have to go design this
0: now yeah. thanks okay let's uh then start to talk about okay uh who thinks they can fit the mold um Mike is fit the, who, who thinks they can fit the mold? Is this a uh, a common phrase? is this an idiom? Yeah, I mean, I think break the mold is more common, yeah. so I guess you have
2: to, it's sort of like, hey, have you ever been whelmed? I know we get overwhelmed and <laughs> underwhelmed, like nobody really goes <laughs> to that other side of the vernacular, so I guess fit the mold. Actually, I have heard the term "fit the mold" before. Like I can imagine on job interviews, like we'll let's see if you fit the mold for this company. Uh, though I think you know those molds are probably easier to get your hands around or get into than evidently a lot of
0: these tile molds did. All I know is I'm no fan of mold. Okay, me and mold <laughs> are not not good. Just mom on mold patrol over here.
1: Oh yeah. That's it. know the mold is the much less interesting anderson cooper free iteration of that
0: yeah okay um let's uh get into this uh task because it ended up being a real doozy uh for the teams uh we would see riley working on it and d'angelo working on it and boy jess gary was a real backseat driver from from the get-go and of course we know he is, of course, a art collector and mm. uh, the connoisseur <laughs> of uh, all the finest things. Uh, D'Angelo was the pick, though, to do this, and he was not watching the demonstration.
1: If only there was someone there to show you how to do the task correctly. Mm-hmm. I,
2: I really don't understand how this happened. And I thought for a second that if D'Angelo had indeed been the one to lose this, it really would have been poetic justice in a, num- a number of ways. Not just the final destination of the whole steel drums thing in the very first leg. But what have we talked about on the tar pits about D'Angelo Williams time in and time out? is like D'Angelo Williams is a man who gets like commonly frustrated and kind of railroads his partner sometimes. Uh, where like Gary will say something and D'Angelo will sort of like interrupt it and, and go on to his own yeah, his own train of thought. And that's sort of what happened here, right? D'Angelo walked over and was like, okay, I saw steps one and two. I sort of assumed what three through seven are and then walked away and didn't see like the key facets of the task. So I do think that while a little uh, repetitive, I do think I could feel Gary's frustration here. Understandably so, because I would love to hear inevitably we will D'Angelo's side of all this. I'm sure he will have a fantastically entertaining POV behind it, but... It really did look like from our perspective that he's like, OK, yeah, yeah, I need this. OK, I think I can figure the rest out. I'm good to go over and take care of this. I've got this.
0: Yeah, just I've never seen a partner watching the roadblock that is so frustrated that is they're going to go to sleep. They're going to Gary's Gary's. Like, I'm going to take a nap. I, I can't watch this anymore.
1: Yeah, I've I think that we really rarely get a roadblock where the person not doing the roadblock is more entertaining than the person actually doing. And I think we got to go back to like season 12 where Christina is doing a roadblock and Ron is sharing his snacks with everybody else. Oh yeah. That was one of my favorites, but yeah, I, I think also who's going to make taking a nap entertaining more than Gary Barnage. Mm hmm.
2: Yeah. It's getting back like it's a video game chair after Thanksgiving and he's just going to take a siesta.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, Eventually, we're going to see uh, Will and James show up. Will is going to work on it. Hung and Chi are going to show up and uh, Chi is going to work on it. But uh, Gary is really holding court with all of the partners. <laughs>
2: but mainly like the, the court like his little speech is like god my partner sucks right so now <laughs> oh, like so now he has sounding boards to be like god look at what this idiot is doing right now uh which you know again is, is a really fun mirror to the very first leg like, when d'angelo was kind of doing the same thing about gary <laughs> everybody else like this is a fantastically entertaining team and i will say i think what also like this roadblock is one of my favorites in a while and i think something that really helped it is because None of the teams helped each other. Like I was yes. waiting on bated breath this episode mm-hmm. for like Riley to finish, walk over to Will and be like, "Oh, it's it's the grease. You want it? You want to grease the sides to be able to do it?" But no, it does really seem like as much as we have this this core of three, the teams at least are are seem outwardly behaving in their own self interest which I can imagine you know to a lot of our frustration. The past few legs that did not seem to be the case with sauerkraut in particular. It seems like at least from an from an external perspective, we've seen a lot more of teams being like okay, I got my thing, I'm going to move on rather than hang back and tell a select number of people what the answer is.
0: Jess, do you think that that was a modification of uh, the rules of the race for uh, this season?
1: I don't get the sense that the race really adjusts the rules on the fly like that. Like There are game show rules Mm -hmm. in place for that kind of thing. But I do think that the sense I get is that Occasionally, they do get some notice in their clue. Like you may not assist the other team with this, this, or this, but there's a lot of stuff you can't enforce. So there mm-hmm. could have been, you could certainly have been like, "Oh, I see what happened. I forgot to grease the mm-hmm. thing." You could certainly do that. Yeah,
2: you do it like Leo and Alana attempted to do, where like they tried to signal that to Haley and Kalen, but then yeah. the other teams overheard them and did the same thing.
1: Yeah, I think you could do something sort of like that. But, Mm -hmm. um, the thing I I have heard that the racers got a sense that they didn't want a repeat of Berlin happening and they kind of gently encouraged people not to do that. But I also think some tasks lend themselves better to helping and some of them don't. Like you could, you could walk over to the other person and suggest to them that they need to be doing something differently, or it could be a sense, it could be a matter of I've gotten this and You've watched me do it or I've gotten this and it's not convenient for me to go back, go out of my way. And you've seen racers actually inconvenience themselves in the service of helping other people. But I think at this point in the race, even if the show told them not to help each other, they're not going to help each other because you've got so few teams. Yeah, you don't want to... You don't want to risk going out of your way to help another team and then having that put you the 10 seconds back that cost you the race. Yeah. And I don't care who it is at this point.
2: Yeah, especially the roadblock, concerning that this yeah. was like the last step. Like I could imagine, you know, the the glimpse we got out of it this lake is like Hung and Chi and Will and James were very cordial with each other at the detour, like Hung and Chi being like, Oh yeah, it's over there. Like they were having very like casual chit chat yeah. uh, during the detour. But I would say that maybe once it came closer to the pit stop and elimination was staring them down the face, they were more so like, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, put my blinders up and move on. So that way I know I'll check in not in fifth place
0: okay so riley is going to be the first person to realize that that he's got to grease the pan before he ends up going through it he gets through it he goes off to do the uh tile puzzle jess uh is this the first time we get the slide puzzle on the amazing race usually a survivor staple
1: nope it is not um it is at least goes as far back as season 27 on the first leg there in rio de janeiro and there was a rare field elimination by phil because oh, yeah. the tmz girls could not figure out the yes. slide puzzle
0: yes three by three so slide puzzle is very easy though
1: yeah three by three is much easier I, than i don't whatever know they I, had to
2: Ask do. tony blachos he would disagree
0: <laughs> so, no that was more than three by three
2: i don't yeah. i don't know i thought it was three by three is what he was what he did in in uh in Cagayan.
0: I think it was. I, I do believe it was more. I think it was like the whole Survivor logo, and I think that he was. Uh, unless I'm getting confused with Winners at War, but I think well, that but three by three is uh, is pretty basic.
1: Yeah, well, that's on that's on Netflix now, so we could all go check, go it, out check, yeah, we'll go check no, it out. Yeah,
2: that's. I agree, though. Three by three is the dentist office toy, right? It's like the oh, you just sort of shuffle it around. So even if like you are not the best with the puzzle, you'll be able to. And I, I also do wonder off screen because it was clear that like they had to leave one specific tile left to fill in as their last piece So, like, did they have to arrange the other tiles in a specific order? Because the other thing about slide puzzles, and this was experienced in a challenge in Survivor South Africa, if you don't put the tiles in a specific order in a certain slide puzzle, it becomes unsolvable. So I can imagine they were given a lot of guidance as to like what goes where and then you can figure it out from there.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Will ends up uh, being the person who ends up acing this the <laughs> quickest. Uh, that Mike, he is good at arts and crafts. Yeah,
2: I mean, evidently, uh, I really like I mean, I really like Will and James, but Will in particular has has proven to be a really fun personality like this. when he gets the the roadblock clue, he says that, like, he doesn't fit any mold, but he'll he'll fit this mold. There's, there's a lot of great Will sass in this episode, in, in my opinion. I, I think he had he had a very good time between like he got to come back to his garden after ditching it in middle school uh, and finally, and, you know, treating it so badly that sort of came back around. And yeah, then he, he got to his
0: garden good- died because he got busy. I was like, whoa. <laughs>
1: I love it when people Planto try seeds, to baby. Yeah. I love it when people try to tie whatever task they're doing back to something in their life. Like they're trying to slumdog millionaire every single task on the race. And sometimes those things fit a little bit better than others. And I really felt like this was this was like just shy of one time I walked past a garden, so I should be okay at this task.
2: Well, yeah, that's the equivalent of right, Leo played baseball in middle school, therefore he should be good at the carnival yeah. games. I think- again, I say anything you do in middle school usually does not translate to your adult life.
1: Yeah, I usually. I feel like anything you do in middle school, like it's wiped clean of your record and nobody should Thank be able God. to reference it again, <laughs> including you.
0: Thank God. OK, <laughs> so we're going to see Riley Madison. They're going to get to the mat first. Uh, Phil had a greeting for them. He said, uh, well, you've got dust on your nose and your beards are longer. But you've you made it through.
2: Yeah, I, I thought it was fear. Phil greeting Riley Madison or Santa Claus in anticipation for this for the holiday. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to Norway. Well, I, and this is what. So this is the third leg that they've won. I'm pretty sure they've won three trips so far in this race.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, they're they're ready to go. Uh, Will and James are going to come in second. Uh, James just always wanted to come to Cambodia. It's a great.
1: Day. I- I'm, I'm with him on that. Like I, I've loved Will and James this episode just because it was such them being there in Cambodia and being on the amazing race to boot. Like that was just such a gift for them. And you could tell that they really were relishing every second of it and everything went right for them. Like yeah. they were never in trouble. They were never in danger of giving, getting eliminated. They just got to have a fun day doing amazing race things in a country that was on their bucket list. I, I, I would hope that if I was ever on the amazing race, which we all know, that's not something I ever want to do. But if I was, I would hope this is the kind of leg that I would have at least once going someplace that I would die to go to and getting to just do fun things and be on the show. That's, it's great.
2: Not to mention that Will jumped them up. They came to the roadblock in fourth place and they left in second place. So yeah. as much as we talk about like D'Angelo having a huge fall, I would Will really jump them up considerably mm. from where they were going into that.
1: Was the only Arts and crafts, baby. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, all right. But now, Iswar and Aparna, left for dead, they get through <laughs> their... Uh, other half of the detour uh, that uh, really, uh, Aparna really came to life in this episode, Jess that you're saying about. Where now. was this? Yeah, yeah I, wh- I, really, I know. I hate them right now. I hate their guts. Oh, I uh, love it. It's it's sort of is
2: like the like the F.U. Brad Culpepper energy, yeah. right? Of like, oh, yeah. now, I've, now I'm like on the brink of elimination, like no holds barred. Let me just dig into this person. Jess,
0: this was Providence Aparna.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, like man. Ber- that Berkeley of yeah. Barna. yeah that is a deep cut rob yeah. Uh, yeah i I will say there there were two things that I think maybe made this entire episode and actually maybe this is like one and a half things now that I'm thinking about it because if this episode had been structured such that Aparna and Ishwar never see the other teams again. Like they get u turned and then they rock up to the mat well after everybody else is checked in. If
2: they're Haley and Kalen, essentially, yeah. Yeah. If
1: they're Haley and Kalen, this is this is like a D minus episode of Amazing Race, and we're not really excited to talk about it. But the fact that they showed up and were clearly still in it due to so many of the teams not figuring out what they had to be doing, mm -hmm. and then the fact that Aparna came into that encounter at an eleven. That just made the entire episode exciting again, and yeah. this has been the team where we're. There's always that one team where you're talking about who's still in the race, and there's one team you're like, I know there's five teams left, but who is that fifth team? Yeah,
2: they're definitively the team Lolo. Uh, yeah, season 32 up to this yes, point.
1: Yes, they are, <laughs> and. And for the life of me, like they've never gotten a really standout moment. Yeah. Like, they've gotten like, a few things where they're like, well, we're engineers, so we should be pretty good at this task that is peripherally related to engineering <laughs> and not even the kind you do. But that's the most entertaining they've ever been until this moment. And yeah. I wish that they had been like this and maybe they were and it just wasn't relevant. But I wish they'd been like this all all season.
0: I hope Aparna is like this on the exit interview tomorrow.
1: Oh no!
2: Yeah, kidding. like I wonder. I wonder if rewatching this has like hopefully reinvigorated uh, that spice is because I mean, yeah. I mean, granted, was it a little unfounded from an objective perspective? Absolutely right because like them saying like you're so dumb for you turning us. We talked through earlier how I think from a logical perspective where they were coming from, it made sense, but it didn't make it any less entertaining to just have to her specifically. Like I don't know if she was purposely trying to psych out D'Angelo during yeah. the roadblock by talking specifically to him. The fun thing is, so from a rule in the roadblock you can't communicate with your partner really during the roadblock. doesn't necessarily... It's not against the rules to have you talk to somebody else's partner.
0: Jess, I was wondering, is this emergent gameplay in The Amazing Race or has this been done before in the past where that rather than, you know, trying to, like, cheer on your partner, could you taunt another person while they're trying to complete the task?
1: I don't think there's anything against the rules about that, but I do feel like... I do feel like you might get spoken to because mm. well, the, the only
2: thing that I can really remember of this was not really during a roadblock, but it was during the infamous water slide uh, mm-hmm. to the pit stop yep. in season 15. when like the globe Triders were doing so much trash talk to Mika and Kanan knowing that like because she was so afraid of water slides, they just kept poking that bear so they
1: could get ahead of her. Yeah, yeah that didn't make the greatest television, did it? Hmm. I mean, it, it did and it didn't. I it, I felt a little icky about it.
0: Yeah. I just think that you like uh, what's it called Mike where you go to like to the the, the county fair and there's that guy that's oh, the, like, the dunk <laughs> tank yeah, dunk tank guy <laughs> it's just like uh, eh, come on what, what, you, you can't hit this
2: idiot yeah, I mean it's, it's essentially doing like a psych out from the movie basketball right mm-hmm. of like how can you really mess up the person as much but luckily Aparna wasn't like pretending to cut off her own finger or said that anyone was sleeping with a guy named Squeak but yeah it's very clear at this point I, I do wonder if there was tr- some some 4d chess going on with the part of like this is going to be karma for d'angelo i'm just going to talk non-stop and just get in his ear the entire time so he can't concentrate on his task
0: yeah oh it so great uh, i loved it um eventually chi is going to get through it and and then it looked like at one point uh iswar jess that he figured out uh that you need to grease the pan
1: yeah, he, he figured it out, but then I'm not sure what exactly happened. It it really felt like you didn't get anything of what happened between Chi getting it and Iswar going to the slide yeah. puzzle. Like, was D'Angelo just like a savant at the slide puzzle? Like, we never saw him do it. What now, I guess- think
0: happened is that... Um, I don't think that Iswar ever got down how to make the tile. So I think that he Mm -hmm. got down the part about how to like, oh, I have to grease the pan. Like He picked that up way faster than D'Angelo did. And then by the time that D'Angelo had gone, he mastered making the tile. He just couldn't get it to unstick from uh, whatever you cook it on. So Uh, so what you're saying is
2: if they put their efforts together, it would have been the perfect roadblock competitor where they had both sides of the equation.
0: Yeah, I I just think that we'll find out tomorrow, but I I just think that Eswar never nailed down how to make the tile right. It seemed like that he like uh, made that he put the color in the wrong place that he just uh, was not able to get that part down.
2: I did like also that element of like the color by numbers part where you had to put the paint in the very specific parts of the design. I know that obviously the crux of it came down to greasing the pan beforehand, but I don't know. Again, I, I'm a pleb, but I was very intrigued by the the process of image tiles. Are made. It took me back to our toughest nails days from earlier this year of like, all you need to do is just sprinkle some cement on and then put it under the giant compression of these giant, yes. like uh giant compress <laughs> and then you're able to create a tile.
0: Just don't you feel like that? This would uh, we got to, got more out of this if Phil could have given us like a uh, 20 25 minutes on how tiles are made. I I would have been
1: creating uh crafting tile. I would have been 110% here for that, Rob. Yeah. Would have been great. Remember 15 years ago when we did a podcast with Phil about tough as nails? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh maybe again one day, who knows. All right. So, ultimately uh epic fake out attempt on the part of the amazing race as uh we are trying to set up this race to the mat they went for it mike uh I, I they didn't get me, but they went for it they tried they tried really hard to sell you Gary and dAngelo were not going to uh get there in fourth place.
2: Yeah, because they, they were distracted by the monks cutting down the tree, which has to be the weirdest. Like That would supersede, I think, what we talked about a couple of weeks ago of Jen from Kishin, Jen having to go to the bathroom before the pit stop. Like, if Gary and D'Angelo were truly eliminated for that reason, that would be the most bonkers reason any team has ever been eliminated from the amazing race of, oh yeah, a, a bunch of monks were blocking the road because they had a bulldozer to take down a tree that was sticking out.
0: Yeah. Couldn't get, couldn't get past it. A, a literal roadblock, Jess.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it really doesn't get more literal than that. Well, yes. now I wonder. I mean, monks
2: do dress in orange. Do they also like moonlight as construction workers? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Look, when you're a monk, you have to learn how to do a lot of things.
0: You have to wear a lot of different hats. Um, Just one robe. <laughs> yes. Can you <laughs> estimate how far behind Gary and D'Angelo, uh, Aparna ultimately were? They were not at the mat together
1: they were not at the mat together i think when you ask them because you know that's always like when you're doing an exit interview there's like the, the, the two questions you start with what happened guys and how far behind do you think you were mm-hmm. they're going like, to say oh
0: we were not even close like we were like 5 hours behind
1: yeah either that or they say i'm pretty sure it was just a couple of minutes yeah. and i think this is one of those instances where i think it was not that long but it was long enough that you never saw them like running it out in a foot race so yeah. that could be 10 minutes that could be 20 minutes i don't think it was terribly longer than that because you saw them together at the penultimate stop on the race so i'm gonna say i'm gonna say they're gonna tell you about between 10 and 20 minutes
0: okay anything else that we want to say about the episode before we get to some questions
2: no, I mean, you know, I, I will say, I, again, Iswar and Aparna really brought it in in their final leg here. And I love, you know, especially like what Sasha was talking about on the Tar Pits of what they brought in terms of representation. I will admit, I think of these top five teams, they were probably the least entertaining going into this episode. So I, I can't say like, I'll be completely candid. If it was them or Gary and D'Angelo, I would rather Gary and D'Angelo stay in personally. But that being said, they seem like a very sweet very funny pair of people. I'm glad we got to see a bit more of their personality uh, at the end here. So and I'm intrigued to find out more about them as well, because I know the great thing about Press is it brings out, you know, their, their unedited personalities in a manner of speaking. And I can imagine given what we saw of a Aparna, especially at the latter part of this leg, they're going to have a lot to say without like the filter of amazing race exhaustion on them.
0: We'll be right back to answer your feedback questions about tonight's episode of The Amazing Race. But first, let me take a moment and thank a sponsor. Those are our friends over at KiwiCo. Of course, uh, KiwiCo is the subscription box that delivers hands-on science and art projects that you can work on with the uh, special little ones in your life. This holiday season may look a little bit different, but still a season to celebrate moments of wonder and discovery. With a KiwiCo hands-on science and art project you'll give a gift that sparks curiosity and learning all year round remember the most wonderful gifts are the ones that spark wonder and kiwi co's seriously fun and innovative crates you can share discoveries with everyone on your holiday list this year kiwi co is going to send you a box month after month and it is going to be a project that you get to work on with your youngsters my children my two boys they love them the kiwi co project keeps them entertain the instructions that I can uh, help them out and my older son who's 7 that he's able to do the whole thing by himself the KiwiCo project is something that they get to work on building that's educational and then it's a fun toy that they get to put together in the end it's simple machines or solar systems or all kinds of cool stuff that kids really enjoy playing with and to get your kid at least if they're anything like mine to pay a potential to something that's not a screen is an achievement in itself deliver the gift of wonder to everyone your list this holiday season with kiwi co you can get your child doing super cool hands-on science art and geography projects delivered right to your door every single month and while they might not be able to go fun places for the holidays you can give them a whoa awesome experience with kiwi co unboxing a crate feels just as exciting as receiving it and everything they need is inside each colorful crate so your child can get started Right away, encourage your children to be innovators and creative thinkers. And with different crates for kids of all ages, there's something for every kid or kid at heart on your list at KiwiCo. There's no commitment and you can pause or cancel anytime. KiwiCo, they're redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get 50% off plus free shipping on any crate line with the promo code RHAP at KiwiCo. That's 50% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O dot com. Promo code R-H-A-P. That's KiwiCo.com slash R-H-A-P. All right. Let's get back to talking about the race with Mike and Jess. All right. Let's get into some of your questions here tonight as we discuss episode 10 of The Amazing Race. Two weeks from tonight, we will learn the winner of The Amazing Race 32. Uh, Why don't we start things off with Jordan who says... Name uh, a more iconic FU, Aparna or Candice Cody. Uh, Mike, you want to field this one? Oh, I mean, this is tough. I mean, of course, there's the Mandela effect that
2: Candace Cody didn't technically say F you Brad Culpepper. That was indeed Marissa Peterson. Uh, but Candace did flip her off. I mean, I don't think I don't think Aparna ever said F you. She said things like, uh, you know, I can't even look at you guys right now. We'll yeah. get you Gary. I might give it to Aparna if only because that is like shades of the Wicked Witch, which <laughs> delights me to no
0: end. Yes, I also like that she was like, oh, yeah, why don't you just, uh, you know, uh, keep messing up for another five hours?
1: Yeah, she was she was feisty. I right. I really I I really loved the sass level. And I wish that I, if if we if she was like this the whole time and we didn't get it, I would be so mad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, let's take a question that is from Ali, who says, uh, what is the best strategy? You turn a strong team to get out of threat or you turn the weakest team to give yourself a, a cushion. Uh Jess, is there a hard and fast rule on this?
1: well the former almost never works out like the yeah. the 20% of the time that we see people bounce back from a u-turn that's people trying to get a strong team out and it's pretty much you have to be an opportunist about it the only time that you should u-turn a strong team is if you know they're already in last place because they might come back in a future leg and you know this could be their one bad leg so you it behooves you to make this bad leg worse for them so that they're gone. But Mm -hmm. pretty much all you want to do is make sure that you are not the person coming in last place, because really the only leg where you don't care about the only leg where you should care about your placement is really the last one. The rest Mm -hmm. of the time, just don't be last. And so the U-turn is really your opportunity to make sure you're not last. And that's why you see people not really thinking too hard about saying we choose not to U-turn because they know they're not going to be last this leg. They got a comfortable lead. And unless... Like the really the key times to U-turn someone is if someone who would otherwise be very good at the race is very far back, make sure they're gone. If somebody, if you yourself are about to be eliminated, if somebody is not further behind you, they can be gone. If somebody is a fair bit behind you and they're somebody you personally don't like, then you turn them. Mm -hmm. But those are your
2: case studies. And to to prove Jess's point that the former almost never works, look to earlier this season when Will and James said Leo and Alana are a strong team. I shall U-turn today and look what happened. Uh, Like Jess said, it almost never works because the caveat of U-turning a strong team is because they're a strong team, they're almost always going to bounce back or and or U-turn a team directly behind them uh, just to like get them out and keep themselves in.
0: Okay, Uh, let's take a question that is from Med. Who says, I know they're in an alliance, but why did the volleyball bros uh, not see Will and James as their biggest threat? I think that they wasted an opportunity to get them out. Um, for whatever reason, I, I feel like that uh, teams feel like on the amazing race. Hey, let's just get to the final three. Let's yeah, just so get to the final three and we'll, we'll duke it out.
2: Checking out the secret scenes, that is very much the Volley Bros attitude. And they specifically, they were talking some more about Gary and D'Angelo. And they said, like, one of the reasons why we're not fans of Gary and D'Angelo's playing style is because we feel like they want to create the best playing field for them to win at the end. They care about the win we just want to get to the final three and then see what happens. And you hit the nail on the head, Rob. I think it just comes down to like a difference of philosophy about the game. Uh, And I think to Mets, you know, I think Mets sort of answers his own question with, with those first five words there. Like the reason why the volley bros don't see Will and James as their biggest threat is because they feel like they could mutually benefit from each other and help each other out. So they don't necessarily see, see that idea of like, well, they're a threat to win more. So like, We'll get to the end, and if they win, cool. If we win, even cooler. They're used to not winning
0: anything, just
1: yeah, even more gnarly. That's that's not why they're here, I think. And I I can see that philosophy. Dad's
0: cookie business.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now that they know how to make chantilly cream.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would say. I don't know where I was going with this. You two went took it in Sorry. a different direction.
0: Sorry about that. Flame <laughs> <you off> of <laughs> the cookie restaurant. You turned you. Um, that, uh, but for teams that have this philosophy, Jess, is this the right way that teams should approach the Amazing Race?
1: Well, I think it's hard to say that you could go on this show and one hundred percent feel like I'm going to do everything it takes to win because it is the real prize is the friends you make along the way, right? (laughs)
2: So true. So
1: so basically, I think you are in this amazing once-in-a-lifetime experience. And I think it would be really hard to have your head so far in the game that all you're doing, like every move you make at every point is just to further your own goals to get a million dollars. And I think there's very few people that have done it. I think the only person that might have arguably been in that groove the whole time is Boston Rob, Mm -hmm. because that's the kind of person he is but i think you you're really you're thinking a lot about not just you know how how much further you can get and how much more of this you can enjoy i think the million dollars at a certain point you kind of forget it's there mm-hmm. you are thinking more about like How am I going to prolong my own enjoyment of this? And what is the scenario that I want to see happen? And I think that's where you get into this final three thinking of, I want the people I like best to be in the final three. I don't think there's any kind of iron sharpens iron thing going on here, or even a thought about who I want to see win. It's really, I want to get to the finals and I want my friends to come to the finals with me.
0: Okay. Let's take this question. This is from Abby. Wasn't the pit stop uh, for this leg the temple that they went to at the start of Survivor Cambodia? And they did a slide puzzle. Uh, this was a survivor leg. Did they start off Survivor Cambodia at, at a temple, or did they went uh, to a reward challenge at a temple? There was the Chinese food oh, challenge. No, or did they did they walk through it? Did they walk through a so temple? They, so they, they may have walked
2: through a temple, but they made the, a visit to a temple at the final seven, and yeah. that, was not, that was
1: Angkor Wat, was the name was of that Was it Angkor temple. Wat? I, I thought believe- that... I was trying to figure out which temple. This is not on yeah. Wikipedia. But Angkor Wat is the really, really famous one, and I'm pretty sure that survivor i they went to maybe they did go to angkor wat like right at dawn or something yeah they had
2: they had an overnight trip at angkor wat there was
1: one where they had like they they had to go to a temple and eat chinese food and were like why are you eating chinese food in cambodia and they were in a temple then Mm -hmm. and i was trying to figure out if that was yeah if that was this angkor tom or if it was um it could have been like Bayon is another like it was the name of the tribe and then they went to the actual Bayon location. Yeah. Um, I, I do not know. I would like somebody I to fact that uh,
0: I think that they did do like a through, like on like they all traveled together. They were in mm-hmm. that. I, I think that maybe they did do like a walkthrough of a temple before they went to location because mm-hmm. they had so much extra time between when uh, they were out there. I think so.
1: Don't make me go and rewatch this entire season. No, we season. can text
0: Stephen. We can text you. Uh, Yeah,
1: uh, let's, that's right. We, we know some No, but, no, but
2: I, I'm, I'm, I'm checking. Yeah. I'm, so, according to Inside Survivor, which has a really fun uh, art, you know, series of articles called Survivor Wanderlust, where they actually go over all the locations that they've been to, uh, they did indeed go to Angkor Wat for both the beginning as they mm. walked through the temple and then when, they, when Keith that's, Spencer and yeah. Wentworth went back. So, yeah. okay. Angkor Wat it is. All right. Uh, but did,
1: did he list where the challenge was, where they got to spend the night in the temple?
2: Yeah, that was Ancor Wat as well. That
1: was also Angkor Wat. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is from Betsy, who says, Can the watchdog teammate not offer the direction to uh, watch the example? That is
1: correct. That is correct. That's against yeah. the rules. You Basically, will get a penalty.
2: anything that will instruct someone as to do the challenge is is against the rules. Even if it's like, hey, look over there. That is against the rules. They are very much against the the non uh, participating team member instructing really anyone whatsoever. And as Jess points out, we know that that tracks at least all the way back to Amazing Race twenty five. Though maybe it was more of an, an unwritten rule after those earlier mm-hmm. seasons when teammates were just helping each other out of the wazoo.
0: Jess, what's the penalty that we're looking at? Is it thirty minutes? Is it more? Is it more severe?
1: I think it was thirty minutes in uh, season twenty seven. He should have done
0: it. He should have done it instead of taking the nap.
1: I I don't think this is not a this is not a an amazing race iteration that really rewards people for taking penalties and has not done so in a really long time. Uh, Whereas, you know, that might that might fly on Amazing Race Canada.
2: Plus, Rob, does Gary really want. It to come back onto him as being the reason why they lost this game is because they so. took a 30 minute penalty like he could very easily now have something over D'Angelo of like hey I didn't get us eliminated if he does that he becomes culpable as well
0: Mike could Gary potentially just uh, break into like a summer loving or something and then uh, just like put a little earworm and you're like why is he singing a song from Greece
2: yeah I think I think if he tapped out Morse code that said hey look at what the guy is doing maybe that would be another great way to really get in his head Mm -hmm. it
1: was something really innocuous in 27 when they did that and it was like almost they didn't even she didn't even think twice about saying it so Mm -hmm. i would say that you can't you you would have to be really really stealthy about your get to
0: athens sometime
2: well like even yeah even like in 30 it was just like hey look at the letters and that earned them a penalty yeah. with, the, with the basketball guys early on so again they like they draw a really thick line of what constitutes helping someone and what does it
0: hmm. okay let's take a another question from med uh why don't they let their teams book their flights anymore <laughs> Jess you want to answer this in gift
1: form or I answered it in gift form already okay. um it was dollar dollar bills y'all yeah it's too expensive too expensive. Okay. All right. Of course, you could check
0: out uh, Amazing Race on Pluto TV if you want to see teams uh, book their own uh, plane tickets. Exactly. Yeah, and
2: when teams are teams, uh, instructing each other during roadblocks as well as the time gone by. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and and you can live in a world where there's always another... There's a subsequent season of Amazing Race coming up, mm-hmm. and the world is not so on fire that they can't film it. Mm-hmm. That's very
0: true, actually. Okay. All right. Uh, Steven has a question. Uh, would the right move for Gary and D'Angelo have been to yield the beard bros uh they're a much stronger team than uh, than East Warren Aparna, and it's likely that the beards turn around and uh yield he's and Aparna. i get the nfl's logic uh boy mike wouldn't that have been great television if uh gary and D'Angelo said <laughs> we choose to u-turn uh riley and madison like what yeah we're we're right here i mean we're right here how could you do this
2: Sorry, Sorry, Steven. No, this is this is a terrible move <laughs> if they did this. Because to your point, Riley Masson go, okay, I'm gonna U turn East War and Aparna, so I'm guaranteed fourth place. See you with the roadblock, gentlemen. Like you are guaranteed that they are going to not only stay in the race, but also be mad at you for U-turning them. Really, but, but what could they do? Uh next leg, they have shown a propensity to be able to block people out of information. I think they could sure have a
0: piece of ammo Ooh, in their pocket now. Of the mine
1: five. Guess what? They're yeah. out of the mine Ooh. five anyway. <laughs> they know it? Yeah. Yeah, but I I do see like you you then free them up to just U-turn somebody that they already know is behind them. It doesn't make any sense. But I do like the idea, and I've always found it entertaining when you have teams like trying to elbow each other out of the way to the U-turn board so they can U-turn each other. That makes really fun television, and we don't get a lot of that, and I'm sure someone's going to come at me and say that's because they moved the U-turn to the place where it belongs, but honestly... We know that this is a very cordial season despite all this talk about alliances because you didn't get any of that. Let's check out the
0: draft board after tonight. And mm-hmm. we so, lost Iswar and Aparna. Uh, they were part of a Justice team. Look at this draft that Mike had. Uh, if you remember when we did our draft podcast, uh, Mike had the first pick overall and the fifth pick, but he only got the pick two. But he's looking pretty good uh, with Riley and Madison and Will and James uh, with a, another uh, one and two finish. Uh, Jess is in there with Hung and Chi. And all I have left is Gary and D'Angelo. And I am not feeling too great about that.
2: I don't know. I mean, again, uh, who knows? I don't think these, these three teams to this point earlier are going to necessarily work together to box them out. Next leg. Me- other teams have been able to sneak their way into the final three and do really well in the final leg. I, I still will put forward what I said last week that I think any of these four teams can win, especially they've all finished in first in at least one leg. I mean, you know, I think the unfortunate thing from just a gender breakdown, and I even talked about this in our preseason podcast, is I did feel like this was a very male, male heavy season in terms of not only there being five male, male teams, but like a good majority of them being strong. And the fact that they make up three out of the final four teams, I think proves that.
0: hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, this is something we talked about the other day, uh, with Eliza, uh, that do, I haven't heard anybody talk about this. I mean, do we have any, uh, it seems like that the, the women on this season have struggled more with, uh, just getting to the tasks as opposed to actually doing the, the tasks. Is, is that a common theme in the amazing race of why women have struggled on the, um, uh, women, women teams?
1: Well, I think anytime you hear about a cab driver being singularly terrible, yeah, I I would say probably seventy five percent of the time it is an all female team, and I don't know why this is. I I honestly don't know if it's some kind of internalized yeah. thing where a cab driver won't listen to a woman, like especially in certain countries where that's that kind of chauvinistic mindset is more prevalent, or it could also be the way that women are socialized, like not to speak up and not to be assertive about where they're going. And, you know, even in a race for a million dollars, you want, you still have this pressure on you to be perceived as polite. And there is a, I don't know what the causes behind it are. We can only speculate, but I do notice that transportation difficulty that is not your fault has been The downfall of many female female teams in the recent in the recent seasons, especially. Yeah,
0: I was thinking about this. From we had a question the other day on the feedback show that we didn't end up getting to. uh, That was asking uh, this same question, and and I wonder because a lot of times it's like these uh, loser cab drivers that end up getting the people. It's not like that. The other no, no, it's That's for sure. It's not like Gary and Mm. D'Angelo actually knew how to get to a place, but you know they have a better cab driver than you know, uh, say uh michelle and victoria could have had uh is it possible that in some of these countries that people that the cab drivers themselves are saying like okay, okay uh let me pick up these guys as opposed to uh these women for whatever reason as opposed to maybe they're thinking like okay i'm gonna get tipped better uh or mm-hmm. some, some reason that the cab driver tends to pick the better cab drivers pick up men uh more than they pick
1: up women i was thinking about this in terms of like last season when they were in Dubai and there were different types of cabs that you could get in, whether you were male or female. And I wondered if that, I think there had been some speculation that that may have had an effect on who got where when. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that cab drivers necessarily have the kind of agency to pick up one team over another team. I Mm -hmm. think it's really luck of the draw, but at a certain point, there does factor in like, you might get a bad cab driver and some teams might immediately jettison that cab driver and get a different one, or Mm -hmm. they might be able to take a little bit more control over where he's going and why and how. And I think maybe people that are socialized to speak up for themselves a little bit more forcefully might have an easier time getting the cab driver to do what they want. Mm -hmm. And they cab driver conversely might be more receptive to getting direction from somebody that they perceive to be their equal on some subconscious level that's my that's my biggest theory on it i don't think the cab drivers themselves look at them and be like i want that team i want that team Mm
2: -hmm. yeah because i I think you also need to remember the invisible half of the team which are the two other people involved in the camera person and the sound person who also maybe of different genders too. So it's not like you're necessarily pulling over and picking up four women That's or good four point, men. There's there's gonna be some sort of mixture there. So I think I would personally I agree that I think it's a very complicated issue. And I think you can't help but talk about it just because of the pattern that emerged, particularly in this season between Kelly and Levon and Haley and Kalen several times being screwed over by cab drivers. You have to wonder if it is sort of societally influenced. But I, I like a lot of what Jess is talking about about just the proclivity to Speak up and how some people might respond to, like, uh, a woman telling you you're lost versus a man telling you you're lost, and how you might respond to that and pursue, you know, a course of action from that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All
1: right. And I think, I think something interesting that happens in some of these locations is there's like a secret cabal of cab drivers. I think one of my favorite things was when they were in Panama City and all the cab drivers were on the phone to each other, being like, well, where are you taking them? Oh, I'll take them there. And I think that's also. That's something I'd like to see happen more often because I think it's more of an equalizer. And I think we don't want getting into the wrong cab to be the reason so many teams go out. Mm
2: -hmm. I mean, that's the interesting thing about it is you would think in this day and age with the advent of smartphones and GPS, that that would be the equalizer, right? It's like you don't need to worry about getting lost because it's literally there on the phone. But as was proven with Kelly and Levon, things can still happen, like forgetting a phone charger that can still, you know, have them start back from square one in the good old days where you didn't have that to navigate with.
1: Yeah, and I don't mind it if it's their self-navigating that gets them somewhere. I just Mm -hmm. hate it when it's someone else's fault. And I to that point, I think we did have some feedback last week where they suggested maybe they should have them take more public transportation or have them do walkable things more so that you're not just getting in the back of a car. And I recognize there's only a certain amount of that you could do with your camera crew in tow, to your point, Mike. But I would really like to see a lot more of that because... If if a team's gonna get out for a navigation issue, I want it to be their navigation issue.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right.
1: Uh, let's talk about what
0: else is coming up here. On Rob has a podcast. Oh, Sequester uh, debuted uh, this week. Sequester season four, and I got the chance to talk about the premiere with. Taryn armstrong and uh if you haven't checked it out it was a lot of fun uh sequester is a, a reality game uh which is now in its fourth season i know a lot of people saw the sequester minis that were happening. Uh, for much of the lockdown, this is Sequester in person, uh, featuring Sharina Skuhi from uh, Survivor Cambodia herself.
2: Ah, uh, yes. she of the Angkor Wat Temple.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, also, uh, our own Brent Walgamont is a cast member. Uh, you, after you check it out at sequestraaccess.com, check out my recap with Taryn Armstrong. Taryn is going to be back on Monday nights, recapping all of Sequester. Season four. Uh, that,
2: and I think, yeah, and really I think. think- and I think for those that uh, are, are into a lot of the strategy talk that we're bringing about with Amazing Race, that is essentially all that strategic talk on steroids. Every round is different. Alliances are, are made and broken within like instance. It really is, uh, especially like following Big Brother and particularly this Big Brother season, it really is like the hyper strategic game that, that game lovers are
0: truly obsessed with. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, over on News AF, uh, we talked about last week, we talked about the appearance of the Utah monolith. This week, we talked about the sudden disappearance of the utah monolith and uh what the explanation is of where it went plus more monoliths popping up in romania where else will the next monolith show up could these be pit stops on the
2: alien amazing race
0: they could be they could be uh for all of your monolith news check out news AF. oh talking with t-bird cindy hall uh speaking of self-driving Cindy Hall uh, (laughs) joined us on the latest Talking with T-Bird. And what a delight Cindy Hall was. I I said this was one of my favorite Talking with T-Birds. And I did not have like super high expectations for Cindy Hall. But I thought that she was great. Uh, T-Bird was uh, just uh, was in love with uh, with Cindy Hall. She was fangirling over Cindy Hall. She has a lot of great stories, a lot of animal information as oh, well. Bob,
2: did, did you ask her if zebras are the smelliest animal? I
0: actually did. Find oh, out. Good. Latest, <laughs> Talking with T-Bird uh, with Cindy Hall was a really good Does one. she still drive the car? You'll that's find, what I want to know. You'll find out. Oh, find that's out. A big that's the biggest mystery. If the she's answer. still watching the her fellow finalists through the sunroof. Mhm. Mhm. <laughs> yeah, find out what she thought about Danny Boltwright on Winners at War and more on uh, <laughs> talking with T-Bird and then tomorrow. Oh, back to back Bloom as <laughs> tomorrow uh, we will be back with more Outwit, out play out list and Mike Talk us through. What are we talking about? Tomorrow? <laughs> it's a it's a it's a topic that I and I know Jess loves
2: so, so much through 40 seasons of Survivor. This sun's going to get in your eyes. And through various years, we have seen hats take many forms on the heads of hundreds of Survivor castaways tomorrow. Rob, you me and the great Chantel Francis are going to get together to rank and rate some of the most noticeable hats for good or for bad across 40 seasons of Survivor, certainly to include these three lovely figures and many, many more.
0: Yes. Mike, what is the genealogy of uh, noticeable hats? Why, why is noticeable the adjective?
2: So it's from a game we did on the B&B, uh, that I believe it was called like Lesu, Levu, or Luzon. Uh, g- speaking of other Survivor seasons that are on Netflix. And I said, they're like, oh, two of these tribes have members on it who have noticeable hats. And I don't know where that particular piece of vernacular came from in my weird brain, but it was something that we fixated on so much that it has now become like a part of our typical B terminology and if from Jess can speak firsthand definitely beyond so somehow noticeable hats has made its way into that lexicon and it's going to make do its
0: we, way onto the podcast title here yeah do we need b&b merch that's a hat that says noticeable Oh, think, that's amazing.
1: I think we just need a shirt that says noticeable shirt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. yeah, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy.
0: All right. Uh, can't wait. Tomorrow, uh, I'll, wait, I'll play out list uh, with Mike Bloom and uh, Chantel Francis. Okay. Then, oh, look at this. The American Ninja Warrior podcast is back. Uh, Taryn Lita will uh, wrap up season 12 of American Ninja Warrior in our wrap Ups feed. Uh, and then, so, okay, first up, uh, please, and Vakili is back to talk more 90 Day Fiance with uh, 90 Day Fiance the other way. But, uh, we had a big exclusive announcement, uh, during our patron cast the other night that the 90 Day Fiance regular. Season eight is going to be back on Sunday night and, uh, Puya is allowing me to sleep on his podcast couch as I will join him to cover this upcoming season of 90 Day Fiance. So, uh, Ooh, wow. that, we'll be, we'll be dropping those in the main podcast feed. Puya and I will break down nine, the new season of 90 Day Fiance kicking off on TLC as, uh, Puya continues to cover 90 Day Fiance the other way in the 90 look
2: at you getting romantic here rob talking about these dating
0: couples and their trials and tribulations yeah i'm excited i'm excited i've always wanted to cover it we talked about it on uh renapp uh i've got i've watched uh, i've dabbled a little bit myself but i want to get i want to get more into the 90 day fiance so look for look for that uh, that'll be I, I, monday when i talk about 90 day fiance uh season eight premiere
2: and you're going to keep with the international aspect that Amazing Race is bringing in. So
0: I think it really does connect, surprisingly so. Yeah. Excited about that. Uh, of course, uh, The Bachelorette. Uh, see what's going on over there as uh, we see uh, Tasha. She's getting ready uh, to... Uh, what's going on? Dates. She's got like a big princess dress on. See what uh, Haley and Amy have to say about everything that's going on there. Uh, I,
2: I was just watching it with angela and then some guy stripped down to his nudes uh, as he was doing why? Some yeah, art why, presentation. Was he, why was he nude i didn't get the context mm-hmm. i didn't need to yeah
0: okay <laughs> i mean that's really taking like the uh bachelorette competition to another level of like all right well everyone just stripped down today someone's getting a rose somebody's <laughs> not let's see Let's see what's. Leave happening. it
1: to you to determine the criteria yeah. there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, then, oh, the mass Singer is uh, coming close to an end. Uh, it's down to six on the mass Singer. Hear what uh, Puya and uh, Mike's B and B co-host Liana have to say about the final six of uh, the mass Singer, also airing uh, tonight. On television and then over the weekend uh, I'm going to get to catch up with Allie Lasher and Brian Cohen and we're going to talk about the upcoming season of the challenge everything you need to know to get mm-hmm. ready to watch a season of the challenge Now are either of you challenge people.
2: I'm a I'm a big challenge head. I'm I'm so excited by the title of this episode, Getting Down to the Nitty Gritty, because it reminded me of Nelson's uh, misappropriated quote of saying how he, 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 things are getting down to the needy-greedy, which you seem to believe was
0: the proper phrase. Yeah.
1: It seems okay. more appropriate, given everything I know about the challenge. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, we will talk about the challenge as we get ready. Uh, Amazing Race veteran uh, Natalie Anderson will be part mm. of uh, the challenge uh, coming up. And then uh over the weekend uh get into it's time for another round of robin akiva need podcast robin akiva need a pr firm uh myself akiva winneker and dr amanda rabinowitz are going to be punching up a bunch of things that are a little long in the tooth people uh customs uh food items we're good we're talking about it all uh i actually recorded that one today it's a lot of fun uh we're gonna be dropping that one a uh, little bit of a heads up one day early Look for that Friday night uh, special Robin Akiva-Nita podcast coming this week. And then if you missed it over the weekend, uh, we caught up with Eliza Orleans on the Tar Pit, including our exit interview with uh, Kaylin and Haley. Plus, then Sasha Joseph stopped by. Uh, We played Indian Prices Right and had a lot of fun uh, on the Tar Pit uh, this week, this past week.
2: Yeah. And I believe uh, congratulations to Eliza, who at the time of recording this, uh, it's a couple of hours old, but I believe she had a very successful uh, campaign event featuring many Amazing Race alumni, including three teams from this season.
0: Yeah. And don't forget, we'll be back this weekend uh, for another round of the Tar Pit. Send in your questions. Amazing Race at com. Of course, hey, it's the start of another month. Great time to jump in and become a patron of Rob's Podcast. Help support all of this podcasting uh, that goes on. Become a part of our patron community over at com slash patron. Last night I did my uh did four hours of calls uh with the patrons on our monthly patron cast. Over the weekend we'll be playing another round of patron family feud. Uh you can get be a part of everything that's going on. Get our patron only podcast feed and everything we have going on in our patron community at Rob has dot com slash patron. All right. Uh, of course you can follow us on social media as well at Rob has a podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. And then uh, you can check us out at RHAPgram. All right. Uh, great job with everything there. Scott. Okay. Jess, what's next for you?
1: Um, what's next for me is um, the great Mike Bloom and I, this gentleman right here, are going to talk about Star, Star Trek. Trek. Um, we, we do Star Trek Discovery recaps over the weekend. New episodes drop on thursday of the show and we're usually talking on saturdays all things star trek discovery it's really been a wonderful season we're having a very good time talking about it okay and then i know we have a secret project but i don't think we're telling people what it is yet rob
0: not yet but uh and i will be podcasting uh some more together about something later this month it's a secret yeah there you go how about that mike I'm not even in the the Alliance. I I don't know what the secret is. Um, (laughs) All right, Mike, what's next for you? Well, I'm an open book with my
2: plugs, Rob. Uh, So in (laughs) addition to the the stuff that Jess is plugging our great Star Trek Discovery coverage, of course, I'm going down the hatch with Josh Wiggler every week covering Lost. But another big Survivor podcast, Rob, that was not included in the the slide of things is you and me and the great Shannon Gus are going to get Mm -hmm. together because Survivor being brought to Netflix has brought in a huge influx of new fans and the question has come up what what seasons should be introduced to new fans so the three of us are going to talk to both the advent of survivor on netflix what it does for the show what's a is there a proper order to introduce seasons to people if so what should the order be we're going to have a huge discussion around the process behind introducing survivor with this bolstering community of new people, both celebrities and plebs, who are looking to get more involved with the show after being so hooked on Heroes versus Villains and Kagayan, so that's going to be a lot of fun getting into uh, all of that with regards to maybe how Survivors fans can spend their next, you know, portion of time trying to to give out new seasons to watch for those that are looking to get on board with more stuff.
0: Yeah, I uh, I'm still workshopping the name for that one. I, I think I wanted to like help. I just. I, I j- just watched Survivor for the first time.
2: So like, I'm a celebrity. Get yeah, me out of here! I don't know. It, worked, it worked Exclamation title. It. Like,
0: what do I do? Nine one one.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, we could rebrand ourselves to Survivor Nine One One, so we could just sort of be like the, the the college of like, here's my Survivor emergency. Help me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Survivor emergency. So, all right, that's gonna be a lot of fun as well. All right.
2: Yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited for that. Excited to t- to talk some more Survivor stuff, both in the silly variety and looking forward. And who knows? Maybe we have some more brand steals in the hopper as well coming down the pike.
0: Yeah, um, I, that the the one that I want to do the most right now, uh, brand steel Nintendo. Okay, <laughs>
2: listen, I'm a am a big Nintendo
0: fan, so I am, a, for lack of a better term, game. Okay. All <laughs> right. So, Mike, great job. Anything else you want to uh, uh, mention? No. So, I mean,
2: tomorrow, as I mentioned at the very beginning, I'll have my interview with Aparna and Eswar up. So be sure to check that out at parade.com. But I, I put it all out there. I had a Mike Bloom type on Twitter. Okay.
0: All right. Uh, thank you everybody for joining us here tonight uh, we've got plenty more to come this week make sure you subscribe to the podcast rob has a website.com slash iTunes and check out our merch store we are adding uh, new things day by day so be on the lookout for uh, for a lot there right now uh, a lot more to come Rob has a website.com slash shop. And of course, uh, if you are interested in more from any of our sponsors of the podcast, you can go to our special uh, uh, sponsor page at robinswebs.com slash offers. Thank you so much, Scott St. Pierre. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.